Welcome to a new episode of Point Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Zanetto. Um, yeah, wonderful uh, tournament so far, guys. Just wanted to uh, jump on and do a quick 20 to 30 minutes and kind of check in. Um, I'm so interested in how this tournament turns out because this was the year that supposedly, I mean, it's amazing how the accountability that we have in the media that we don't um, kind of go back on these guys and, and give them more hell. At the beginning of the year when Duke beat Kentucky by like 30 or 40 points, there was talk that this Duke team could beat an NBA team. And I have to admit, you know, you can get, just like anybody, you get caught up in the hype of everything. You see Zion dunking and, you know, it's just, it's a lot of it, it's hype. Um, And, you know, there was such a kind of drop-off once they started to, you know, get more more film on these guys, um, tendencies. Now, Duke had a fatal flaw right from the start. You have what was supposedly the third best player on the team was going to be Cam Reddish, right? Cam Reddish was never a consistent contributor to this team. And when he clearly wasn't able to be that knockdown shooter that they thought he was going to be. That derailed their plans. And I don't even think he was that bad yesterday against Michigan State. But I think part of the reason why they lost is because RJ and Zion felt like they needed to be world beaters when they didn't have guys that they could count on. Um, You know, Coach K, very weird, you know, um, getting rid of Joey Baker's red shirt at one point during the year. Um, you know, Alex O'Connell was supposed to be another knockdown shooter. I mean, Jack White didn't hit a three since the Reagan administration. You know, it's, it's, you gotta have shooters in this, in this tournament and in this, in this college basketball environment. I know Zion, you know, is able to step out and make threes, but if people gave Zion three pointers the entire time, there is, there is literally no reason why that anyone needed to guard him that deep. And if he hits threes, he's unguardable. It's kind of like watching LeBron play. When LeBron makes threes and he's able to create and he's able to be physically imposing, it's really difficult to to kind of stop him, right? It's impossible, actually. So, you know, it's just one of those things where I, I just feel like Coach K, for all of his wins, for all of his, you know, how much he is, you know, built up, you know, he's the greatest coach ever. I don't know if that's true. Can you call coach K the greatest coach ever? Um, I want to go over a couple of things and I have a couple different perspectives because I'm not a Duke or a Carolina fan, but obviously I live down here. So I have a lot of people, um, commenting on a couple of things. And I apologize. I just I'm yawning over here. Jeez Louise. Um, let me look at this really fast. So I posted this thing, and a buddy of mine, James Hodge, who's a you know, big-time Carolina fan, he wrote, let's see. So since 2015, um, Coach K has had 16 five-star recruits, three number one classes, one number two class, 
Five wins versus UNC, nine wins in the NCAA tournament, zero Final Fours in the last four years, zero titles. Roy in UNC. Three five stars, two number 14 ranked classes, six wins versus Duke, 14 wins in the NCAA tournament, two Final Fours, and one title. And that second Final Four, they, they could have had two, they lost at the buzzer. So, now... Is, any, is anybody in particular fans of, of my mid-major work going to feel sorry for Carolina that they don't get the same recruits as Duke? Absolutely not. But what I think is the interesting aspect of this is Duke gets tons of hype in terms of who they bring in. Coach K has kind of adopted this one-and-done mentality, very similar to Coach Cal. And, you know, he's they're very similar in where they are. I mean, um, I mean Calipari, I think, has been to – in the last 10 years, um, four Final Fours, eight Elite Eights. And it's just one of those things where, to me, wins-wise, if, if you're just going strictly on wins and, um, you know, this era, I think I think Coach K is obviously the best coach of, all, of, of this generation. But he is not the greatest coach of all time. Um, if he was, he'd have multiple titles in this era, and he doesn't. Um, They won one in 2015. They also won one in 2010, and my favorite thing about that 2010 run is they literally beat zero teams of consequence. And what I mean by that is, let's take a look at Duke's 2010 run. Duke 2010 national title. Let's check it out. I think they had to beat Baylor in the Elite Eight. So, let's see who they beat. So, they went 35-3. and three. Obviously, an amazing year. I mean, let's just be honest. That's, that's huge. Um, they were 13-3 and three in the ACC. They're ranked third going into the tournament. Uh, remarkably down year for, um, for the ACC that year. Holy cow. Look at this ACC. So Duke feasted on this on this ACC in 2010. Maryland was the only other ranked team. You had Florida State, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, Clemson, Georgia Tech. North Carolina was 20 and 16, and they were in ninth. They were in almost last place. Wow, that's crazy. <coughs> Pardon me. And John Shire. Um, so let's look at this tournament run. Look it up. Let's see, tournament champions. It was their fourth title. Let's see. Let's take a look at this bracket. Syracuse is a one seed. Kentucky was a one seed. So Duke took out Arkansas Pine Bluff. Shocker there. Then they um, won by 15 against Cal. Then they won by 13 against Duke. And that was the year Villanova lost to St. Mary's. So Baylor actually played St. Mary's in the Sweet 16. And then Duke squeaks by Baylor. And then Duke absolutely destroys West Virginia. And the crazy thing about that West Virginia team is the Kentucky game that they, the Kentucky team that they would have played if Kentucky would have beaten them was DeMarcus Cousins, um, John Wall. So Duke got a break there. So they get to play. West Virginia, they murder West Virginia, 
and then obviously Butler um, in that finals game against with uh, Shelvin Mack and um, uh, Gordon Hayward, where he almost banked that in from half court. So yeah, I mean, they played Butler, Baylor, Purdue, Cal. Those were their those were their five wins outside of the 16 seed win. Their toughest game was against Butler, um, and so that title to me is like the weakest one that they have. But you know that they're all they're all they all count. My I guess my point is is that a they got lucky in 2010 with their bracket and that and you need that to win titles. Um, you're not gonna no one's ever had a year like Auburn right now where they beat Kansas, Kentucky, and North Carolina in the same bracket. That's just the craziest craziest run, um, and they've earned it. But I think the interesting part is the the recruiting angle to this. What's more important in today's day and age, even at the Power Five level, is it getting five or six McDonald's All Americans that are either all going to leave, or four or five of them are going to leave, or is it getting guys like Luke May, um, getting a team like Purdue who had uh, juniors and seniors with Carson Edwards? Being like Virginia, who's now going to be in the Final Four for the first time since 1984, but they have built up a program, and does that national title mean more to, not more in terms of, you know, my title is worth more than yours, but does it does it feel more genuine when a guy like Kyle Guy and Jerome, Ty Jerome and DeAndre Hunter are going to be around for minimum two years, you know, for some of these guys at their senior year, and they won a national championship or they've been through the hardships and now they've, they've come back like, like Virginia, you know, 16 seed loss by 20. They go down 14 initially to Gardner Webb and all of a sudden now they're in the final four. And I think most people would consider them the favorite, right? They're the only one seed left. Um, you know, Michigan state obviously just beat Duke. So they're going to be a, a tough out in Auburn and Texas tech are, are no joke, but it's one of those things where, uh, I, I personally hope that they start allowing kids to just go to the NBA because I would much I would have much rather have seen Zion play on an NBA team this year than play at Duke. And part of that is because he was a joy to watch, and I didn't want to see him play at Duke. Duke to me should be about building a program. You know, Christian Leitner was there for four years, love him or hate him. You know, he was one of the greatest players of all time. Grant Hill, um, this kind of. And I, I don't want to say he sold his soul, but there are, you know, I think I think almost every program is has some dirt on it, obviously. And Coach K in particular, to me, I feel like his shine has dropped over the last four years with these crazy classes that have been just almost stockpiling talent, um, trying to sneak another title in there before he rides off into the sunset. So next year. <clears throat> What does he have left? Zion's gone. Cam Reddish is gone. R.J. Barrett's gone. Um, Trey Jones is probably going to go. So you lose your uh, four of your five starters, and then now I just you know what do you got? Joey Baker, Alex O'Connell. What's left? Um, you know, it's one of these things where I hope their recruiting class is good because I feel like when Duke is at least you know, relevant top 10 program in the country, uh, for them, it's a, it's a much better, um, 
thing for college basketball because you need that villain. You need that kind of figurehead. And UCLA isn't, isn't doing it. Kentucky kind of is. And, but, but Duke is kind of that, that seminal team that people love to hate. Um, Kentucky, I think people just know that they're delusional. Um, but everyone kind of hates or loves coach Cal. Whereas I feel like almost everybody hates coach K unless you're a kind of a media figure and then you love them. Um, so, my thing is, I just I just hope that Duke gets back to recruiting at a, at a level, and maybe it'll happen when Coach K retires because I don't think they're going to stop now. I think they're going to keep doing what they're doing with um, with these recruits because I think they want to try to catch lightning in a bottle like they did in 2015 and win a national championship. But as a lot of people around these parts of have uh, you know stated that 2015 team had senior leadership too. You had Emil Jefferson. Um, you had um, Quinn Cook to mix in with um, you know uh, Okafor and, and and those guys. So it's it's one of those things where it's I don't think it's going to be done anymore. You know, I think one of the reasons why you see a team you know, to, to kind of stomp on my mid-major world, but you see a team like Wofford beat a Seton Hall is because they have they have 22-year-old and, twenty you know, 23-year-old kids or, or men playing against 19- and 18-year-old kids. And I know Seton Hall wasn't, a, um, you know, a, an, an uber-talented team, but that just shows you that name recognition means nothing when it comes to how this thing works. Texas Tech is another great example they lost a lot, but they have a lot of they have older guys. They have a good coaching staff, and you know that's a team that gave Duke fits earlier in the year, and they're in the Final Four. Um, Michigan State, Cassius Winston, what's he? Is he a senior? Uh, let's look that up. I'm turning into Bill Burr. I'm looking up things as we go, which is perfectly fine with me. Um, Cassius, let's see here, Winston. Yeah, it's a great line from Washington Post. It took a man to beat the Duke kids, and that man was Cassius Winston. Um, he is a he's a senior. Um, no, what were we in? He was a senior. He was a high school senior in 2016, so he's a junior. Either way, I mean, think about it. So you got a, a kid who's played three years of college basketball, played for one of the toughest coaches in the country, and he's not going to be afraid of Trey Jones. He's not afraid of Zion. Um, the only guys who were afraid of Zion were people that were unsure of themselves. And those are the, those are the teams that kind of get beat pretty quickly. And that's why, that's why Duke beat Kentucky early is because Kentucky was also a group of freshmen, also a lot of hype and Zion and those boys were just very ready for that challenge. Whereas Kentucky wasn't. Um, so I don't even know where I'm going with this whole podcast. I'm just kind of rambling on. Um, But before I let you guys go, this is the worst year I've ever picked in my life. Oh, my God. I mean, if you go back and listen to that that podcast I did where I picked um, the, uh, you know, the the tournament picks for for myself, holy crap. Those those are the worst. Those were the, by far, is the worst I've ever done. And... I think it kind of goes with a pattern of mine where if I pick well, I pick like crazy good and I win the tournament, you know, pools by, by large margins or 
I come in like dead last. Um, the year that the 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 years that UConn and then Duke won back to back 2014 to 15, I won first and second place in money pools, and they didn't invite me back. <laughs> I always, always love telling that story because I wish they invited me back because I'm not I'm not even I wouldn't even have been close the last three years, um, and they would have won they would have got their money back. Um, but anyway, so listen, I hope I hope everyone has a great day. Um, I want to try to get, uh, some more guests on these kind of, uh, anchor podcasts. Anchor is such an amazing app guys. If you, if you ever want to be a guest on this show, like if you're a fan or, um, you know, you listen to the show and you know, you have some insight, download the anchor app and I can add you onto a recording really quickly. Um, and you don't even have to be in the same room, the same state, the same country, you do it anywhere in the world. And it's just a really cool thing. Hopefully, we can do that with some coaches and some players next season for college basketball. Um, my final four picks, sure to go wrong, are Auburn versus Texas Tech final. Let's go. That's not going to happen, but that's what I want. Uh, I want to see an Auburn-Texas Tech final because I'm so, I'm, I'm so over the media talking about ratings Listen, this has been a great college basketball season, and I don't give a shit if we have all underdogs going forward. This idea that people only show up for Virginia, Michigan State is the biggest joke in the world. If you're a college basketball fan and you don't watch the finals, the only reason why you're not watching the finals is because it's not at 9 o'clock on the East Coast. That's it, and you have to work in the morning. That's That's the only reason why you're not watching it. It's not because... Um, Butler played UConn a long time ago. It was the worst. It was a terribly ugly game. No, that's not the case. You know, this idea that if we had a, a year like a couple years back, I think it was in 2011 when VCU and Wichita State made it. Those are great stories. Like people, people love those stories. Villanova winning in in uh, 1985, I believe, is the year that they won with uh, with um, Ed, Ed Pinckney as an eight seed. Those are amazing stories. UConn won it in 2014 as a seven seed. You're trying to tell me that those ratings were bad because people didn't watch it? Maybe maybe uh, CBS should put on a title game at 7.30 instead of 9 o'clock and you get more more ratings. has nothing to do with underdog or what whatnot. Um, and if all you are is a star chaser and you only want Duke and North Carolina to be in the Final Four, then you're crazy. The reason why is because of their fan bases. But if you're a true college, college basketball fan... You watch the Final Four, you watch the Finals. Um, you know, that's just silly. And, this, and Saturday always gets higher ratings because of the times the games are on. It's a 6 o'clock, 8 o'clock start. Um, anyway, that's my rant for the day. I hope everyone has a wonderful April Fool's Day. Um, and I'm trying to think of a fun prank to put, pull on somebody by the end of the day. Maybe I will update you guys. So, almost 20 minutes in. Um, terribly long and silly rant for the last 20 minutes. Just checking in on you on a Monday morning and, uh, we'll talk very soon.